Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. My voice, uh, my voice is getting tired of me. I've been preaching a lot this last week. This is my tenth time speaking in the last eight days, and so uh, my my voice. I'm tired. You ever get to the point you get tired of your own voice? I'm I'm about right there. Amen. <laughs> but man, I'm so pumped. This is man. This is Victory. Who likes Victory Church, man? I love Victory Church. This is honestly, I gotta be honest with you, it, I, I've been to a lot of great churches around the world now and uh, I really do consider this church to be family. I, I love your pastors. Who else loves your pastors? Love Pastor Tony and Kath. I was telling her, I was like, man, you were like, you were like, you're so smooth at like, isn't she good up here in front of you guys? I'm like, man, I'm just taking notes, like make me better, Lord, you know? She's so good in front of you guys, and she did a great job with the announcements. Can I just, I want to just tell you, they have a great family. I love, love their kids. I got to hang out with them the last three times I've been here. I got to tell you, being a pastor's kid, I married one, so I really have a heart for them. Pastor's kids see all the good in church, but they also see all the bad in church. And I got to tell you, you have some great pastors because they have some great kids. Can I get a good amen? Is Jordan here tonight? Jordan, where are you at, girl? Wave at me, girl. Where are you at? Jordan, good to see you. Where's Mitch at? My man Mitch. Where's Mitch? Love Mitch. Give Mitch a big hand, ladies and gentlemen. He works out. Hello. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And BJ, is she around here? Where's that cuteness at? She's so cute. She's just being cute somewhere. Amen? Are you guys doing good tonight? Who likes to have fun at church? I'm a firm believer in having fun. I believe that God should be enjoyed, not endured. Can I get a good Amen. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm from Boise, Idaho. If you don't know where that's at, it's okay. Americans don't know where that's at. It is pretty much like Nazareth, amen? It's like, where's Nazareth? Can anything good come? Yes, yes, there can. Yes, there can. There's good things that come out of Nazareth. But I'm so excited to be here with you. Spoke last night at an event, a great event, a good-sized event called Youth Alive. Yeah, with some young people. Who is that Youth Alive? Any, anyone over here Youth Alive? Man, I love, I love the youth, man. We had a great time. There's about a thousand kids that lifted their hands last night and said, I want to get right with Jesus. Isn't that pretty cool? Can we give God a hand clap for that? Act like that's exciting. That's crazy. That's so cool, man. I'm so pumped to be back, though, man. My wife, she's like, Mark, one of these days I will come with you to Australia and hear this good-looking, loud, awesome church called Victory Church. And uh, she said to send her greetings. I usually put a picture up. I don't have a picture tonight, so I apologize. My phone's not working well. I'm praying for deliverance. Amen? How many of you guys like cell phones sometimes? And how many don't like cell phones sometimes? I appreciate the honesty. We're going to have a good time. Who likes to have a good time in church? We will have a good time tonight. If you're, uh, if you're here tonight, you want to have a good time, just say, oh, yeah? yeah. How many of you guys are grateful that God can use a 28-year-old from Boise, Idaho to speak to somebody? How many of you guys love Irene, by the way? I just wish she was here. I just want to give her a hug. Amen? That's all I want. I'm like, Lord, bring her here tonight so I can give her a hug. I just want to give her a hug. Who wants to give Irene a hug? I just, she's like, man, just come here. She's so like, I just love her, man. I just, I wanted, actually, I would have been happy just watching the whole rest of the 30 minutes, just watching Irene. I was there. I would have got a box of tissues. Come on. Wasn't that good? I was watching it. She had a spoon collection, it looked like. My grandma has a spoon collection. I'm like, man, I just want to give her a hug, you know? And then her comb and uh, that like the, the it had like a flower on it. My grandma has that too. I'm like, oh, I'm like thinking of grandma. I'm like, I just want to give everyone hugs. Amen. <laughs> My gosh, we're just gonna have a good. Are you doing good tonight? 
All right, I want you to get ready for the Word of God. We're going to open up our Bibles tonight. I like hungry crowds, man. I believe that the hungrier the crowd is, the better the preacher preaches. I've heard good preachers preach bad because the crowd wasn't expecting nothing. And I've heard bad preachers, hello, preach good <laughs> because the crowd was drawing it out of them. So I want to encourage you to hear something good tonight. Go, say, go ahead. You can say, say that. You can say, go there. Or you can say, preach white boy. <clears throat> Whatever floats your boat. I'm a youth pastor, so if I'm a little bit energetic for you, I apologize. I'm used to talking to your kids, so sometimes you have to be crazy to reach. Crazy. And you got to be ADD to reach. A-D. Okay. <laughs> hello. We say hello all the time in the States, incidentally, so we don't say it like a greeting, like, hello, how are you doing? We say it in, in America when we're preaching. We go, hello. So if it's like something like a little bit like scandalous or a little bit like shocker, like, hello, like my wife is so good looking, hello, you know, <laughs> hello. So if you're something good, you can say hello too. Are you doing good tonight? Did I ask you that? Hello, yeah, hello. So excited, man, to be here with you. Love Victory Church. You are my family in Adelaide, and I have a message for you. Can I preach to you for about 29 minutes and 45 seconds? Is that okay with you? We're going to go tonight. If you have your Bible, I want you to get it out this evening. We're going to have a really, really good time, really, really good time. Church is a lot like a middle school dance. It's a lot funner when you participate. How many of you guys remember middle school dances? Do you have those here? You don't have those here. Okay, cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Matthew, we're going to go to. It's uh, one of the great, uh, great gospels, almost as good, uh, almost a better name as Mark. We know Mark is the best named gospel. But we're going to the book of Matthew tonight. I give you permission right now to give me a good laugh every once in a while, amen? Helps me out, makes me feel good about myself. Okay. We're going to go to the book of uh, Matthew tonight. We're going to go to chapter 17. We're going to read a ridiculous story. Can we read a ridiculous story? Incidentally, I want to talk to you for the next several minutes on the topic, the subject matter, the ridiculous. Can I do this tonight? Someone look at your name and say the ridiculous. I promise you whether you're Irene's age or younger... It's like I'm covering everybody. Uh, I believe God's going to speak to you tonight if you want him to speak to you. I believe church is as good as we allow it to be sometimes. And uh, if you want to get something from God tonight, you want God to speak to your heart tonight, just give me a, I want that. Come on, is there anybody in church that wants that? Wants that? All right, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 17. I promise not to be boring. If you're not boring, we got a deal? All right, let's have a good time tonight. Matthew chapter 17. We're going to read a few verses here in chapter, starting in verse uh, 24, chapter 17. We're going to have a really, really, really good time tonight. So pumped to be here with you. It says this in uh, chapter 17, verse 24. It says, when they had come to Capernaum, those who had received the temple tax. Do you guys have taxes in Australia? Unfortunately, you do, don't you? Shoot. Temple tax, watch me now. <clears throat> Sorry, it's for a few of you. God bless you. I'll be here all night. Uh, chap, chap, verse 25 says, as, does, your, does your teacher pay temple tax? And he goes on, he says, yes. Peter says, yes, he does. Of course he does. And uh, when he walks into the house, Jesus anticipated Simon Peter, and he said, what do you think, Simon? Asking him a question there. Says, from whom do the kings of the earth take customs and taxes, from the sons or from strangers? Peter said, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. I wish I could preach on that tonight. Don't have time. Verse 27, nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, go to the ocean, and cast in a hook. Victory Church, can you do me a favor and say hook? Say it real loud. Hook. 
It's crazy. Go into the ocean and cast in a hook and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take it and give it to them for me and for you. Are you ready to go tonight? If you're taking notes this evening, I want you to write down the ridiculous. I'm here tonight because I prayed, I heard the voice of God tell me that this is going to be a ridiculously good season for your church. You know what ridiculous means? Can I define it to you? Ridiculous actually means, it means uh, deserving of ridicule. It means absurd, preposterous, or even silly. Someone say silly. How many of you guys in here have ever experienced something in your life that was so good you had to laugh? Four of you have. God bless those four people. I appreciate you. Uh, I believe this is going to be a ridiculous night. Can I get an amen? And I believe it's going to be a ridiculously good season. Can we pray tonight? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for Victory Church. I think it's the best looking church. Come on, if you can't shut down a preacher somewhere, we're in trouble. I think it's a great looking church. This is a great spirit in this church. I think there's a great atmosphere in this church. And I just thank you, Lord God, that tonight, even as Irene said, that God, you would come in this place full on. It's what we need. It's what we want. It's what we desire. So Jesus, we invite you. We ask you to have your way. I pray this will be a fun, fun night. I thank you that in your presence is the fullness of fun, fullness of joy. So God, we invite you to have a good time. In Jesus' name, if you love God, go ahead and say amen. Amen. How many of you guys in here were really good in school? Lift your hands for me. Come on, I'm American. I like to vote. <clears throat> Put your hand up for me. Uh, how many of you guys were okay in school? You're pretty decent, pretty okay. We're, this, is good. this is therapeutic for some of you. Like, yeah, I need, I need to own up to this. <laughs> how many of you guys in here say, you know, school is not my thing, but other things are? <clears throat> God, bl- Jesus, there is more people than I thought like me out in the world. For when I was going in school, I was not the most academically inclined student. Factually, I like to think that I was quite smart. I just didn't apply myself. That's what I like to tell myself. And uh, I, I remember growing up, I, I, was, I was in third grade. And I got to tell you, this is a little bit sad. I just, can I, be, can I pastor be transparent with you tonight? It's, like to be, it's, it's therapeutic for me. And so I, I was in third, I got to be honest with you, my, the highlight of my academic was in third grade. The pinnacle of my academic career, I really did, I peaked early. Uh, it was called third grade, okay? And uh, basically what happened was is uh, my parents got divorced and I was seven years old. And uh, when they got divorced, the way that I dealt with it is I kind of just unplugged from school, stopped caring about school. I only stopped caring about school for about 12 years. <laughs> You're slow tonight. And uh, stop caring, really. And so third grade, they did this uh, proficiency test. They wanted to see how profound or how not profound you were. Do you guys have these kind of tests here? Kind of test your IQ, see how sharp you are or how dull you are or how sharp you're not. Hello. And, uh, and the Bible, uh, not the Bible, the Bible has nothing to do with this, actually. Yeah. But I'm going somewhere. And uh, it's crazy. We took this proficiency test, and I was in the third grade. And I thought, you know what? I want to make this look pleasant to the eyes. I'm going to make this test look aesthetically sound. So what I did, it was a multiple choice. Do you have multiple ch- choice, choice test here? I always like true or false test better because I had a 50% chance of getting it right. Do we have any gamblers in the house? Don't raise your hand, okay? <clears throat> uh, we... But I, I, we did multiple choice in this particular test, and there was A, B, C, D, and E. Come on, that's like, man, it's not really good odds to get it right when you're guessing. And, uh, when you're guessing. and so I remember I didn't really care about this test, so I'm like, I'm going to be the fastest person in the classroom today. And I decided I'm going to finish this test early. So my strategy was, do you know what my, my strategy? Yeah. 
my formula was um, I'm going to go A on number one. I'm going to go B on number two. Some of you know where I'm going tonight. <laughs> I'm going to go <laughs> sharp crowd, sharp crowd, sharp church. I'm going to go C on three. I'm going to go D on four. And I'm going to go E on five. And then on six, I'm going to go back to D. And on seven, I'm going to go back to uh, wherever I was. And I would get basically just zigzag this baby all the way down the test. And so I did, and there was 100 questions. I finished in about 40 seconds. <laughs> Felt good about myself. <laughs> Sitting around just staring at the smart kids when I got done. Finished, you know? <laughs> but I, I remember I finished the test up, and about two days later, the principal of the school came into my classroom, and he said, I need to talk to Mark Francie. And I'm like... Oh, <laughs> I knew him. He knew me. And uh, so he, he called me out of the class and we went in the hallway and he said, Mark, I just wanted to talk to you before I announce this to the class, your class. And I'm like, gulp, you know? He goes, yeah. Did you take a test a couple days ago? I said, yes, sir. He goes, well, I just wanted to let you know uh, that you had the highest test score in the entire third grade. <laughs> You're apparently a genius. <laughs> Peaked early, amen? And I, you know, I did what everyone would do. I just kind of looked at him and I said, of course, <laughs> of course I am. You know, I'm, I'm awesome, hashtag, you know? And uh, so I, I was amazed. I, I just, I just, I, 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 I went in the class and incidentally I tried it again in future test it didn't pan out with the same results. You know what the funny thing is, is I got a 99% on this test. Do you know why I got a, such a good grade on this test? I'll tell you why. It's because I didn't realize there was a formula and I unknowingly tapped into a formula. Can you give permission to, to a preacher to preach a little bit tonight? Can I suggest to you ladies and gentlemen that there actually is a formula for life? I believe Irene shared a little bit of the story tonight, a little bit of the formula to you tonight, but I believe there's a formula for your life that ensures victory and success, like me tapping into this unknown formula gave me a good grade on a test. I believe you can get a good grade in life, and there's a formula, and listen to me tonight, it's called faith. Faith. Can you say, can someone shout faith? There's something that grabs God's attention more than anything else on the planet. It, the, the Bible actually says it's impossible to please God without this formula. It's impossible to make God happy without this substance called faith. I want to talk a little bit about the ridiculous. Someone say ridiculous. Have you noticed that God has used ordinary people from the cover to the other cover of the Bible that were ordinary, screwed up, dysfunctional, just like us? Hello. Look, not me. No, you too. Hello. And God uses these ordinary people that accomplish extraordinary feats. And this is the formula, is they all had one thing in common. It's called faith. Have you noticed that there is not two battles in the Bible that were fought exactly the same way? Can I preach? Are you guys going to be with me tonight? You guys, are, you, are you tracking with me? Someone say the ridiculous. I read my Bible and I see a lot of ridiculous stories. And I believe the reason why God allows us to kind of find ourselves in weird situations sometimes is because I believe challenges, even as Irene shared, lead us to the human dilemma. You know what the human dilemma is? Is that when you get to a roadblock in your life, when you experience a discouraging circumstance in your life, it leads you to the human dilemma. And it's this, is do I try to take care of this myself or 
or do I ask God for help? This is the human dilemma. Is How many of you guys ever, ever been in a situation that you had to face this human dilemma? Raise your hand for me real quick. Okay, I'm in the right church. Okay, it's the right church. Okay, I think it's the right church. I think it's, I think it's the right church. Human dilemma. Someone say the ridiculous. I've realized that God allows us at times to get into these dilemmas because he wants us to realize there's a balance. There's two extremes in the church world. Two extremes. If you turn me up a little bit more on the mic up here, two extremes. The, the one extreme is that we're going to, the Bible, one extreme is God helps those who help themselves. And the other extreme is that if it's God's will, it'll happen. Two extremes. One extreme doesn't care about anything. The other extreme cares about everything. I believe God's desire is to have heaven-dependent Christians. That's a good spot for an amen right there. Amen. I know good preaching when I hear it. Amen. And I believe God's desire is to have heaven-dependent Christians. I, I believe that God allows circumstances in life sometimes to block our way, to lead us to a point that we say, God, I can't do this on my own. And have you ever noticed, how many of you have ever been in a circumstance and you're like, God, how am I going to get out of this? And God gives you a solution, but it sounds a little bit crazy. I remember I was struggling financially and I was like, Lord, I need an antidote. I need a formula to get out of this mess. And you know what God told me? This is crazy. He was crazy. He told me, start giving. <laughs> Lord, I told you I have a money problem, not a, not a money surplus. He goes, start giving. Yeah, I remember praying and said, Lord, make me great. He says, I'll make you great. Start serving. Like, God, this is ridiculous. It's like this whole back, it's like upside down. It's like Jedi mind tricks. You know, like what's going on here, you know? It's crazy. I, I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. I start reading my Bible and I find one ridiculous story after the next throughout the Bible. Can I prove it to you tonight? We're gonna have a good time. Who wants to have a good time tonight? I read about a guy named Moses, and there's some ridiculous things that happen in his life. The fact that God meets him on a mountain, he's barefoot, and he's looking at a bush on fire that's not burning. That's a little bit ridiculous. It's ridiculous that God leads him to the ocean. Isn't this funny? He leads him to the ocean, and he's like, okay, we're going to die here. And then God says, no, you're not. Lift up your stick and air your armpits. Amen? And the ocean opens up at the raising of his rod. This is a little bit ridiculous. Isn't it funny? God uses some pretty ridiculous things in the Bible. The Bible says he hits a rock one time. Here we go. Here it comes. Hits a rock, and enough water flows out of this rock to feed about 4 million people. That's pretty ridiculous. I read stories about how they get hungry, and God causes a bunch of quail to start just kind of land in. They eat steak dinner for like a long time. And it's a little bit, it just, it's a little bit, isn't, isn't it funny that sometimes God provides in kind of unordinary ways? Anyone know I'm talking about in here tonight? I read stories about Joshua and he follows in the, in the obedience and faith of Moses. He encounters an angel in the plains of the Jordan also barefoot. We hear stories about how, how, how Joshua experiences ridiculous things. God says, God says, hey, I'm going to give you victory over a great city named Jericho. He says, great. How are we going to do it, God? God says, I want you to go around this city once a day for six days, on the seventh day, seven times, and then shout. Don't we need some weapons? Maybe stab somebody, you know? We got to hurt somebody, Lord. He's like, no, just shut up. Hello. I believe the reason why I told him to stay quiet was because if they would have talked during that seven days, they would have talked themselves out of it. Mm. 
You know what I believe? I believe that God gives you specific instructions sometimes because no two battles in life are the same. Are you, are you tracking with me? And I love this because throughout the Bible, there's different battles. I, I read this, I mean, crazy stories. Just it, Moses, probably one of my favorite of Moses is, is the, the fact that everyone starts dying. Can you imagine this? Can I make it modern day? Can we have fun tonight? Let's make it modern day. Okay, so Moses goes to God. He says, God, everyone's dying. Our pets' heads are falling off. You know, like crazy stuff. And, and God says, okay, this is what you're going to do. Here's the prescription. I want you to go home, and I want you to get a brass snake. I want you to hang it from your living room. Can you imagine if your doctor told you this? Hang it from your living room and stare at it until you feel better. Wow. You know? This was the antidote of sickness and disease. Stare at a brass snake. Powerful, man. I read stories about this guy named Samson, and Samson kills 300 guys, not with an axe, not with a spear, not with an arrow, not with a javelin, not with a battle axe or a cooking knife. He kills 1,000 people with, he's like, oh, axe, spear, sword, oh, jawbone, hello, with a donkey's head. Someone say ridiculous. Has anybody else ever seen these ridiculous stories in the Bible? Or is it just me? I, I keep reading Gideon has got 30, 32,000 men. God says too many. And you know, what I, you know what I believe? I believe God allows us to experience ridiculous at times because when you, have, when you get victory in an area that's ridiculous and it's because, uh, because uh, you, you get victory, I believe God allows that because when that happens, God's the only one that can get credit for it. Yeah, that's a good point right there. Is Gideon, if he would have got victory with 32,000, he would have said, that was me and that was my army. When he got victory with 300, he said, that was God and his army. I believe that God allows us to experience ridiculous things because it sharpens and it builds our faith. One of my favorite stories is King Jehoshaphat. This one's funny. Have you ever read this story? If you need cheap entertainment, start reading your Bible and just put yourself on the pages. I read about King Jehoshaphat. You know this is so funny, Pastor? He actually is getting ready to go to war. Can you imagine this? How many of you have ever seen a war movie before? Four of you have. God bless those four. <clears throat> and uh, watch me now. He, 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 uh, he gets ready to go to the war, and he says, God, how am I going to get victory? And God says, this is what you're going to do. And he says, wait, wait, God, God, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say, God. I got it. You're, you want me to send the troops out first, huh? God's like, nope. You know, God, I got it. I got it. I got it. You want me to send out like the snipers, you know, the Marine Corps snipers, like the arrow shooters, you know? God's like, nope, nope, nope. You want me to, no, no, I, I got it, God. I got it. I got it. You want me to send out like the big guys that are really buff, like Pastor Tony? Hello. That's good preaching. He, he says, no. He, he, God, what do you want me to do? Fine, God, what do you want? How are we going to get victory? God says, I got it. <laughs> I just want you uh, not to send out the archers, not the cavalry, not the troops. I want you to send uh, the choir. <laughs> Lord, did you forget those that our enemies are armed and dangerous? They have swords. Our choir has ropes. All right, fine, God. We'll do it. We'll send, we'll send the choir. We'll send the, fine, fine. You ever said that to God before? Fine. Have it your way, you know? Fine. We'll send the choir. But God, when they go, they're singing something tough, you know? That's probably what he said. He's like, hey, I'm send, I'll, I'll send the choir. But they're singing like a Rocky song or something, you know? We, you know? Well, I'll send the choir, but they're going to sing something so bad to the bone that our enemy's going to just go to the bathroom in their pants. Hello? Sing something tough. 
And guess, guess what God says? God says, no, no, you're not. Okay. What am I going to sing then? He goes, about the goodness and the mercy of God. Come on, man. I want to sing something. Tell- Can you imagine? You got like, you got the whole army put together. This is a funny picture, ladies and gentlemen. You have the, the Navy SEALs, the crazy guys, covert ops, born identity guys. They're, they're smacking their heads with spears and swords. You got archers licking arrows, tongues are bleeding, you know? And then you got the choir over here. La 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 la. This is a funny picture, ladies and gentlemen. Someone say ridiculous. God, why would you send a choir? This, there's, surely there's got to be a more conventional way to heal things. Have you even read in the New Testament where Jesus heals blind eyes? And there's, there's multiple people that got healed with blind eyes. And one guy got healed because Jesus said, be healed. How many of you guys like that kind of victory? One word from God changes everything. Who's ever had something change with one word from God? Four of you have. God bless those four hands. <laughs> Appreciate those. There's more. Who, who, come on, who's got a word from God been blessed? Yeah, all, all over the place. The, the second blind guy I read about doesn't get healed by a word. He gets healed with a piece of spit. Jesus full on. Come on, full on. That's an Australian word, right? Can I tell you my, can I give you my Australian accent? I'm working on it. Can I give it to you real quick? I'm sorry, this is a little intervention right here. Uh, how you going, mate? That's pretty good, huh? I've been, I've been praying, I know. Second guy gets, gets a loogie in his eyes. Whoa, there it is, you know? I was waiting for that. The third guy doesn't get spit on his eyes. He gets spit on the dirt. Jesus makes some mud and puts the mud in his eyes. Why does Jesus heal three guys three different ways? Can I suggest to you tonight that God wants your faith not to be in a formula, but he wants your faith to be in him? Oh, feel something in here tonight. I, I read about Peter, and this is a ridiculous story in Matthew 17. The Bible says the first thing we, we read about the story is that Peter is asked by Jesus to go fishing. How many know what Peter did before he became a Christian? He fished. So this is a little bit insulting as a fisherman that came out of fishing to follow Jesus. Look at me. Sometimes when God is getting ready to get you out of something, he'll ask you to do something that's a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. He says to Peter, he says, hey, Peter, I know you left that trade to follow me, but I want you to go back this one time, and I'm asking you to do something that you haven't done in a while. I believe there's some business people in here that you've walked away from some big income uh, job positions, and maybe God will ask you to go back for a season to acquire some resources, maybe even to do some building uh, funds for the church. God oftentimes will ask you to go back to something that's uncomfortable. Are you hearing me tonight? So uncomfortable. The Bible says that Jesus says, go fishing, Peter. Peter could have gotten insulted and said, Jesus, I gave that up. I don't do that anymore. Jesus insults him further because we know that Peter never uh, fished with hooks. He always fished with nets. He was a net fisherman, not a line fisherman. And Jesus asked him to do something he's never tried. Come on, are you hearing me tonight? I believe that when God oftentimes will give you in specific instructions, and it might be outside of your comfort zone. How many of you guys know that Jesus is oftentimes outside of the boat? That's where he's at, out of your comfort zone. And I love the third thing is the Bible says that he goes fishing, and the craziest part about it is I see here as I, as I read my Bible that it, as he fishes, he not only catches uh, money, but he catches enough money not only for Jesus but for him also. 
which tells me this simple priority, that as you do what God tells you to do, God not only will take care of his kingdom, but he'll take care of your kingdom. Are you still with me tonight? Almost, almost finished tonight. Is I want to just suggest to you tonight that the reason why there's no two Bible battles that are the same is because God says there is a formula, but can I give it to you tonight? Are you ready for the formula? Who's ready for the formula? The formula of faith. I believe the reason why there's all these ridiculous stories throughout the Bible is because God wants to show us something. That in all Bible battles, there's one constant. No matter how ridiculous God's instructions seem to be, when they were obeyed, they resulted in victory 100% of the time. Man, that was so good. I I I should just stop right now and just sit down and just praise the Lord. In all the Bible, there's one constant. That when people, you know what the problem is with most Christian people? It's not that God's not good. It's not that God doesn't want to bless you. It's that oftentimes we would, we would rather ask God, uh, we'd rather, let me say it like this, we'd rather a- uh, apologize to God than ask God for permission. You know what I got a picture of, Pastor? I got a picture of a lot of Christians, how we go through the grocery store of life. We choose the aisles we go down. We pick out the items that we want. And when we realize that it was a bad decision, a bad mistake, we get to the checkout counter and we ask Jesus to pay for it. Mm. You know what I believe? I believe there'd be a lot more blessed Christians in the church around the world that would ask God for permission instead of believing that just, I'm going to apologize to God after I make a bad decision. You know what I believe? I believe there's a reason why no two battles are the same because God wants to show you and he wants to show me that if you want victory in your life, it requires the same thing it required them. And it's called this, asking God first. Man, that was so profound and so, and so simple. You know what I learned about great athletes? How many of you guys like sports? Who likes AFL? Get some, some testosterone right there, man. That's awesome. How many of you guys like rugby? Any cricket players in here? Totally, cricket players. You know what I love about athletes? The best athletes in the world, you know why they're the best? It's because they've mastered the basics. Do you know what the, most, the, the greatest Christians I've ever met are? They're not, they're not like these hyper-spiritual freaks. They're people that have mastered the basic fundamentals of the Christian faith. Can I suggest to you that if you, you know what maturity is? Maturity is not how much you know. Maturity is how much of what you know you practice. Oh, feel like preaching a little bit tonight here. I know people that have been in church their whole life, but they're spiritually babies still. Because they know it all up here, but they don't live any of it out of here. You know, I've heard, I I just, I believe there's a lot of Christians in the church world today that are God stalkers. You know what they have? They have a lot of knowledge about God. They come to church, they hear about God all the time. They know, it's like, it's like celebrity stalkers. It's like Russell Crowe. Man, I know Russell Crowe has a house in Sydney. He's got a cool accent. Come on, give me a laugh there. Amen. He's got a cool accent. He's been in a couple big movies and gladiators and another movie, another movie. He's got a beard and like people want to be like him and he dates pretty girls sometimes and like he lives in a great nation. Hello. We know a lot about Russell Crowe, but how many of us, maybe a couple of you do in here, but how many of you guys would really say, I know Russell Crowe on a personal level? You know the problem in the church world is, is many of us know a lot about God, but we don't know him in a personal way. You know what God's desire is for you? Can I give you four things and I'll, I'll land the plane tonight? Four things as the worship team comes on up here and helps me out tonight. Four things I want to get, leave you with today is I believe that God wants to give you a ridiculous victory this year. Someone say this year. Can I be specific with you? I believe that God wants to give you victory in your marriage. Can I get a good amen? Whoa, God can't do that. God can't help my marriage. God can help anything. 
Mark, you don't understand. My marriage is dead. Well, last time I checked, Jesus raises the dead. <laughs> Your marriage is dead? Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good news. Jesus can raise dead marriages. Okay, well, what else, is, what else can be ridiculous, Mark? I believe this year, I was praying. I was fasting. I was seeking the Lord before I came here, and he told me specifically to preach this to you guys. He said, Mark, tell the people that if they would do what you're asking them to do, that they would see the ridiculous blessings of God on their life. He said this. He said, Mark, I will do ridiculous thing in businessmen and businesswomen. I will do ridiculous things with kids that have walked away from God. They'll see as they, they'll come back to Jesus, start serving God once again, and there's crazy things that are going to happen all over this church. I mean, literally, from the back of the church to the Who believes it tonight? The Lord told me to come here and tell you this. If you want ridiculous in your life, ridiculous blessing, the first thing the Lord told me to do is you start playing musicians, is the first thing he said is you want to experience blessing and breakthrough in your life? First thing you got to learn to do, learn to do. You got to learn it is the first thing is this, is we got to learn as Christians to learn how to inquire daily for God's advice. Some of you are already doing this. Great. I'm just going to remind those that aren't doing it right now. Something so powerful was starting the day off, praying things like this, Jesus, how do you want me to invest my business money today? Jesus, how can I become a better husband today? Jesus, show me how to parent my daughter that's a little bit crazy sometimes. Jesus, show me how to reach out to my parents that I have a fractured relationship with. There's something so powerful when Christians ask God for his advice. Do you realize that you can, res you can respect somebody without honoring them? Did you know that? I respect people and they don't know that I, I respect them. Because look at me, respect is something that's quiet, honor is something that's always verbal. That was so good, man, so good. You know, that's why I love fathers in here. We're respecting you today. But you know, they took it beyond respect today in this church. And they said, not only do we respect the fathers of this house, we're going to verbalize our honor. We're so glad, fathers, that you're in church tonight. Can I just suggest tonight that you can actually respect God without honoring him? You know what honor is? Honor is always verbalized. Jesus, I need your direction today in my life. Some of you, I feel I have a word for some of you today, is some of you are getting ready to make some big decisions there's a couple in here, you're praying about relocating your family. The Lord would ask me to remind you tonight to ask for his advice and honor him by asking him, not telling him. Can I preach just a little bit to a little bit more tonight? Can I just suggest to you that you, if you don't, if you don't honor your pastor, I, I have a lot of people that will meet with me and meet with my pastor, and they come into the pastor's office with their minds made up. And they say, Pastor, I want to meet with you about making decisions. Listen to me. If you ever set up a meeting with a church leader, do yourself a favor. You are not honoring them, and you're not asking for counsel if you go in there with your mind made up. So powerful. A lot of times people, because here's the truth. And you used to might say, Mark, well, this is my church. Pastor Tony's my pastor, but I don't want him to ever give me any advice specifically with what I'm going to do with my life. I like my freedom. Well, guess what? You don't have a pastor. You have a communicator. Because the difference between a pastor and a communicator is, is a pastor someone you go to and say, Pastor, I'm getting ready to make a big decision with my family. Getting ready to make a big decision. I'm talking about, we've been talking about divorce lately. We've been talking about moving away. We've been talking about, man, taking this job or investing all of our money in this investment. I, I got news for you tonight. Here's the greatest thing you can do with your life is learn to honor God by asking for his advice and learn to honor your pastors by asking for, this is so good tonight, man. I don't care. I'm just preaching myself right now. This is Lord. Blessing myself. It's crazy. 
I promise you, the Bible I read says, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. You know why a lot of Christians are living dangerous? Because they live without God's advice. That's dangerous living, friends. Second thing I want to encourage you tonight, as I get ready to close here, is I believe that we need to learn to obey intuitively. You know what I believe maturity is gauged by? Maturity is gauged by how well we obey. You know what the good news is, friends? God doesn't use perfect people. He always uses obedient people, though. You don't have to have it all together. The only thing he needs you to do is just, when he says go, you just get up and go. And I think that the devil's favorite words he hears Christians say is, I'll do that later. I'll take care of that tomorrow. I'll work on that weakness in my life in the future. Can I just tell you that most Christians don't have a problem seeing God in their past? How many, how many of our older people in here over the age of 20, you're oh, so old, hello. How many of you older, older than 20 would say, I have seen the hand of God in my past. It's been on your life. Some of you say, I wouldn't even be alive today, Mark, if it wasn't for Jesus. All over this room, right? Sir, right in the back. That's the hand of God. It's been on your life. We see God in our past. How many of you guys would even, in all of all this room say, I believe God's going to do great things in the future. Lift your hand for me. Who believes that? Irene believes. I know that. Hello. You know the problem with the church most of the time is? Is we believe God and we see his faith in the past. We have, we have faith for the future. But many people in the church don't have any faith for the present. You know what I believe? God loves the present. The Bible I read actually says that God is our very present. Mm. He's our very present help in time of need. I have a word for someone today that God says, if you ask him for advice, learn to ask him for advice daily before you make decisions. Learn to obey him intuitively. Just as soon as he speaks, I'm going to listen. How many of you guys think that sounds good? You speak, I'll listen. That's a good deal, man. That's a great arrangement to have with God. You tell me and I'll do it. And the third thing I want to have you write down tonight is we got to learn to respond quickly. We obey intuitively and we respond quickly. I, I love kids when they're at the, the age. You know the age, some of you parents that have older kids in here know what I'm talking about. Remember when your kids were young enough before they learned the, the three-letter word, W-H-Y? You remember the, the day in the season of their life that you said, honey, go to your room, and they just went? Wasn't that a miraculous season of life? Remember that season when you'd say, do the dishes, and they just went and did the dishes? And then they start getting a little bit smarter and a little bit more mature, seemingly mature. And you say, do this, and they go, why? Because I said so? Why? Go clean up the dog, you know, the dog's blessings. Why? It's so funny, man. We, we get older and seemingly more mature, and you know what we do is we say, why? You know what I believe? God uses people that get rid of that why and just say, because God said so. Oh, that's so good tonight, man. I believe God will bless some of you. God's getting ready to elevate some of you to high levels of influence in this city. But you got to get rid of that why attitude. Can I just say to you that when God speaks, it's safer to obey him than it is to... Mm, Disregard it. Are you still with me tonight, Victory Church? Almost finished. I, I say respond quickly and act immediately. Lastly, let's learn to act immediately. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.